What's up, Whisper Nation? It is May 21st, and we are diving into the AFC East. We're going to dive into every single team down that whole entire East Coast, and that's going to be Buffalo, New England, the New York Jets, and the Miami Dolphins. And we got a special guest today because Big Travi's out. He took today off. So we got a special guest, Joe Zolo from Club Fantasy FFL. He's going to give you all the insights on the AFC East because he's just he's just a freaking pro's pro at it right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. What's going on, Joe? Welcome to the show. Uh, if you if Whisper Nation's not familiar with Joe, uh, they do great work over there at Club Fantasy FFL. They are uh, a links are in the bio for all of Joe's content. You can find them on Twitter at Joe underscore Zolo. You can find their YouTube page uh, in our actual uh, favorites on other favorite content on YouTube for fantasy football in on our page main page. Uh, but you can also search Club Fantasy and you will find them. Joe, how's it been, man? Oh, the the season gets closer and closer as as we go along, and. When you when you asked me to come on, you said AFC East. I'm like, heck yeah, get to get to crap on the teams I hate and still crap on the team I love because they're not that good this year. Um, but I'm I'm excited. I I saw the show sheet. I, I love working with you guys. Um, I've been on the past. I think it's two or three years now at this point with you guys in August for that 24 hour mock draftathon. Uh, I'm I'm excited to be on be on one of the regular shows. This is going to be fun. Yeah, man, it's it's great to have you on a regular show. Uh, and like we were we were on your guys's uh, mock draft on Wednesday, and yeah. uh, and you know I was pumping you up. You know I was I was saying you're <laughs> coming on the show. I was bragging a little bit, but I was saying to them, I am I'm really looking forward to having you guys on again uh, for the mock draft marathon to make it uh, three years in Heck a row. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you guys got to help us make it through, man, because it gets it gets to be a grind sometimes. But you guys make it a lot of fun and enjoyable. Uh, we're, we we love doing it every year. And I, I love hopping in when Josh is on and they like hopping in when, you know, myself is on. And we we, we snipe each other's picks because we know exactly who they're going to take. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably do the same thing with Travi. Like you, oh. you've been working with him all the time. And you're just like, oh, yeah, he's going to take this person. I I maybe not believe in this person as much, but I just want to do it to see his reaction. And every it gets him every time. And I love it. Every single time, and and it's even gotten to the point now where Whisper Nation now will snipe us, and it's like, love it. That's hey, that's when you that's know that's a the, true fan base. I know, right? And we are we are very lucky. And hey, listen, if you are new to our channel and you've tuned in this far, welcome. We're the Fantasy Whispers. We put out content Monday through Friday, and we go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We do mock drafts, and we talk about players. We have people on the show. So if that sounds interesting to you and you like the fantasy football community, make sure you hit that subscribe, hit that bell notification so you get notified anytime that we drop new content or go live. All right, Joe, that's enough of that small talk. We, we've warmed up our vocals a little bit. You're, you sound great over there, by the way. I, Thank you. I just have to say Again, I told you that before show, but I just got to mention it again. But we'll we like to you know warm up the vocals a nice a nice bit before we dive into the main part of the show, which is talking about those AFC East teams. I want to propose a question to you, a question of the day. It's going to be a keep trade cut. All right. Now these guys are running backs that are going in the second and third round now, but they are all going together, which is why I want to put them 
uh, together because I think this will be valuable information for people who are going into their draft and maybe, you know, what you say can help change uh, their path for next year's stardom in fantasy football. So I'm going to give you this keep trade cut. All right. CEH, Antonio Gibson and J.K. Dobbins. Who you got? Uh, I'm keeping Antonio Gibson trading J.K. Dobbins and cutting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I don't like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Let me just be a hundred percent honest with you. He's he's five foot eight, can't block. I don't care about his running game. Mahomes throws the football five hundred times a season. He has limited touches. Um, Antonio Gibson. It, it, listen, let me. You can keep or trade Antonio Gibson or J.K. Dobbins. I don't care what you do there. Personally, I like Gibson more because uh, he has less in front of him and less to worry about with Heineke or Fitzpatrick, a quarterback, whereas J.K. Dobbins is the de facto two, even though he's the number one on the depth chart because Lamar Jackson is stealing carries from him. Um, Every one of these guys can catch. Antonio Gibson, I think, is probably one of the best pass catchers, if not the best, out of all these guys here. So obviously, he was PPR a points wide there. receiver. Yes, uh, Memphis standout, baby. Gotta love those Memphis <laughs> running backs slash gotta, receivers. Gotta love them. Uh, and then uh, J.K. Dobbins, I think, here garners the most trade value. Um, because to me, it's between the trade cut between CEH and Dobbins, and I think Dobbins by far is going to get you more in a dynasty league than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, yes, Hilaire, uh, both of their upsides are capped because they are basically taking away touches. Dobbins in the run game and CEH also in the run game, but also in the passing game just because Mahomes is not looking his way. It's going Hill, Travis Kelsey, and then Mahomes is probably going to take off if, if, he, uh, if he has a lane to. I like the new additions they added on the offensive line, but it's not enough to you know let me keep or even try and trade bait CEH. I love having you on the show just normally, Joe, but this is why I, I definitely like having you on the show. I can, I can already tell it's going to be a great show uh, because CEH has actually been a guy that you will very rarely, at least to my perspective, uh, get that side of the, the coin or, or side of the glass uh, on CEH this year. And kudos to Joe because I, I think that yeah, he, I mean, he's he's being real authentic and honest here. And I, I do think that there are some things that are concerning that people just overlook because, like you said, it's a Pat Mahomes offense. Well, what does that mean? It, it definitely means that it makes more sense uh, analytically for Pat Mahomes to throw the ball every time than it is to ever run the ball because no he can. Yeah. So uh, they do factor that in as a head coaching. Uh, and and let's not also forget that. CEH was chosen because Pat Mahomes liked CEH, not because he was truly the best running back uh, available. Not and close. so uh, you make some good points there. I think I'm still buying in on CEH as far as where his his value goes. But I, I do understand your argument on this, you know, keep trade cut and, and how you broke it down, because uh, I do think, you know, J.K. Dobbins does garner more uh, name value right now. And I personally am a fan of Antonio Gibson. So. Great breakdown there, Joe. Are you ready, man? Are you ready to get into the AFC East and dive into all these teams? It may get ugly because we do have to talk about the Jets. Uh, but are you ready? 
Uh, let's let's dive in, baby. It's funny. I, I know the Jets are our last team, but we had to do our a look inside series that we're starting, and I'm the one that picks the sleepers and the IDPs. And okay. I uh, I put in the show sheet. I said I hate everyone on the Jets, but because I have to choose, it's player X. I do so. Just you know, little teaser. Don't like the Jets at all this year. So now let's let's dive into it. All right. Well, the good news is that one's coming like last. So yes, perfect. You know, people can maybe tail off. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Wait, we got some good stuff coming. Oh, it's still all gonna right. be good. It's gonna be great. All right, we're gonna start with the Buffalo Bills because that one is very very interesting. Obviously, and has a lot of you know fantasy relevant players, and then maybe some that we don't necessarily like too much. And I want to get your your honest opinion about those guys. But let's start with Josh Allen, all right? He was a player that, you know, right after football ended, everyone was, you know, football fatigue. We get it. But Josh Allen was was definitely sliding in fantasy drafts, right? He was not the second overall pick off the board, even though he finished as the number one overall quarterback. He was still, you know, five or six down on, as the quarterback taken. Fast forward two months and... The fantasy community is now getting aboard that and they have risen that value all the way up to uh, QB2 off the board. Are you concerned that there could be some regression coming for from Josh Allen that maybe we saw the, uh, you know, the extent and the in the peak of what he could potentially be because he saw, you know, 102 rushing attempts, eight rushing touchdowns, which he's never had any less than in his uh, entire career. However, you're seeing more and more indication that, hey, maybe we shouldn't let Josh or uh, yeah, Josh Allen take those hits. What is your viewpoint on Josh Allen? Are you going to be having a lot of shares of Josh Allen this year or are you tell and are you telling people, you know, you should you should take him because I think he'll return that value. I'm one that just tends to wait on a quarterback. So a guy like Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, they rarely ever fall to me. Uh, if they fell, I'd, I'm snatching up Josh Allen in a heartbeat. That's not even a question. Uh, when you talk about guys that you draft in the first round uh, from a football perspective as a quarterback, the progression he's made from year one to year three is astounding, especially from where he came out of Wyoming. Like th that's the progression you want. You want, you know, a little rough, but good in year one, great leap in year two, and then like astronomical, almost MVP like leap in year three. And that's exactly what he did. And, and the best part is they didn't bring in a single running back that is going to like take away his goal line carries unless they want to, you know, rope in Zach Moss more into the offense because now it's year two, maybe. But Devin Singletary is not going to goal line carry. So really, his only competition is Zach Moss. And at that point, like it, they added Emmanuel Sanders. Like they only got better on offense. It's ridiculous. Um, their offensive line doesn't truly concern me at all. And Josh Allen's massive. Like you need two people to bring that guy down. He's huge. He's so big. He he's huge. And like I, I don't like I, I think I don't want to say there's going to be immense regression. I don't expect him to ball as big as he did last year because now I think teams are going to be a little more prepared for his game um, like we saw Mahomes in his 55 touchdown year no no one expected Mahomes to ever do that again or was it 50 50 I forget exactly what he had yeah, but that it was that, 55 I we, do think I think he'll get 50 again but yeah, I don't oh, I yeah. don't know if he'll do 55 yeah that that that's just nuts right like yeah. that's that that's literally a record like that's just uh, that's unbelievable 
Josh Allen will probably take a slight step back, but it's not going to be noticeable. He'll make up for it in some way or in, in some way, shape, or form. He's now in year two with Stephon Diggs. Cole Beasley looked like the best slot receiver in the NFL with him. Uh, Gabe Davis, you know, talk about a guy who's fast and opposite Stephon Diggs, and now he doesn't have to worry about John Brown being in front of him. Gabe Davis is going to have a great season. And then I said Emmanuel Sanders. Like they have, they have four receivers. Or I'll say three receivers. Gabe Davis is still unproven. I think a lot of people are just high on him. They have three proven receivers in this offense. Tight end lacks. Dawson Knox isn't anything special, but we've seen him. He can get the job done. He can get the job done, exactly. He's not going to be astronomical, but he's a great football tight end, just not a great fantasy football asset. There's nothing stopping Josh Allen from being the QB1 again this year. Literally nothing. The 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 defenses outside of New England in this, I, I'll give Miami a little credit. Um, I don't think there's any defense that's really going to slow down this offense, especially in the division. They have two cupcake games against the Jets, so that's an easy 40 points from Josh Allen there in both of those games. Um, they're just they're set up so well this year, and I'm very angry because they had a great draft too, which is painful as a Patriots fan. They had a really good draft, um, so I, I I I love it. And their defense is going to get people off the field fast, which then means more showtime and more face time for Josh Allen. Yeah, their defense really started to click there near the end and on their playoff run. It was really interesting to see. All right, you talked about, uh, I like those takes. You talked about um, if he failed to you and what's the right price for you to pay uh, for Josh Allen? What round would you be saying, all right, I'd be interested in him? All right, so I'll preface this. I play in a lot of leagues that tend to be you start one quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, and then you flex between three to four players. Um, So I always almost go running back, running back in one and two. There's just there's nobody like David Johnson's going in the third round and that scares me. So like there, there's nobody at that point. So I'm like okay I want I want one two and like it, for example last year I ended up with DK Metcalf and Robert Woods in the fifth and sixth rounds. Ste- steals at steals. that point. Absolute steals at that steals. point. I know I was smashing Robert Woods in every oh draft that I had last year because uh, it was just ridiculous. It was criminal. We we had we had Hitman on from the fantasy footballers and I and I asked him, What do you think about Robert Woods? Could he be a low end wide receiver one? And he said, I don't see it. And I was like, Bet he'll be a he'll be a low end wide receiver one by the end of the year. He ended wide receiver twelve and I was very happy. Oh, um, oh you said that last year. Last That's very year. impressive. I thought yeah. you were you were doubling down even on this year and I was no, like No uh, I mean this year I could definitely see I mean Stafford's a gunslinger. But he is. Everyone's doubting him, and it's wild to me. He's he's in an even better offense than he With was. With an even last year. better offensive, minded head coach. Oh like, my that's, god! Yeah, and yeah. and an actual running back, which is which is big time. Um, so I think I think Cam Akers does dip into the production of Robert Woods because obviously Akers wasn't full steam last year. Um, but focusing um, back here because I got completely off track. But oh, Josh okay, Allen, too. I like. I got Kyler Murray in the 10th in the same league where I got DK and Woods in the 5th and 6th. If Josh, which is criminal. Again, criminal, I don't know how he fell that low. You you Uh, would never fall that far for us because I I play with a lot of Arizona uh, Cardinals fans. Oh, God. He's gone in the the 4th round. No no doubt. 100%. Uh, Josh Allen, I, I like... 
if I was sitting there comfortable with two running backs and two receivers, I would have no problem pulling the trigger in the fifth. Um, I am, I just, I tend to not be the person to pull the trigger in the fifth because I want depth at receiver and running back. Um, so, but if you're someone who wants, who wants a quarterback, I would have no problem with Josh Allen, even as high as the fourth. Um, just again, his rushing upside, like you're, if you're telling me he's scoring eight touchdowns a season, you're guaranteeing me, what's that? 48 points guaranteed 48 points a year. Cool. Sign me up. Like that's perfect. And here's the other aspect of the quarterback, the the drafting the high quarterback, right? That a lot of people actually don't talk about even in our community. And that is the psychological effect that a quarterback on your roster like that has. And I say that because I did take Pat Mahomes early in a league last year because and and several leagues actually because I thought about that because when you you'll start seeing and we say it to our our own audience right when you're going into a week-to-week game you look at your opponent's roster and you start to say okay I think this guy can get this many points I think he can get this many points and you start gauging and then you're and you can get a sense of all right do I need to have a high-end uh game or do I just need to play solid players this week? And you get a sense for that. And when you have a guy like Josh Allen or Pat Mahomes on your roster, every single time guys think I need to go for that ceiling because this could be the week that Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen drops 48 and I I am instantly out of the game. And so it's just like another psychological effect that I think a lot of people don't really talk about in our game, but it is something that is is there. I know I, I love that point. I mean, we we talk about it on our start sit different day show that we do. Like we we ask, you know, like, hey, who are you playing against? How much are you down? Like, especially if there was a Thursday night game. And we tell them, look, if you're chasing, pick X player. If you're in a solid state and you just need like ten solid points, go with this player. And I think like even just a good, good comparison at the quarterback position, Kirk Cousins is probably a guy you're guaranteed like fifteen to twenty points a week, depending on your league scoring. Like he's the epitome of I just need a I need a solid game. I don't need a c- can he do 40 points a week? Maybe. Could he maybe drop a dud and get 8? Maybe, but odds are he's scoring 20. Like that that's your odds. <laughs> Good or bad matchup. Good D- or bad matter. matchup. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't that's matter. The, it, it, yeah. He, he could be it, playing the Texans or the 85 Bears. He's averaging it, 20 it, points. Yep. Doesn't matter. It, it's so funny you bring that up because uh Tra- uh, Trav Big Travi hates that fact. Like he is, <laughs> he is so against Kirk Cousins, and uh, because of the fact that he just always either underperforms or overperforms depending on the matchup. And it's like you can never really trust him to be like, yes, you need to smash start him. And then you know he always ends up, uh, you know, failing in one way or another, I guess. But I do want to get on to these running backs, Joe, and ask you, because you talked about, we talked about the rushing share of Josh Allen and and guys like that, but Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Now these guys are, uh, uh, to be frank, in, in fantasy terms with all due respect, you know, all due respect if they're watching the show, but the, you just, you're just staying away from this backfield, right? Like there's nothing sexy and appealing about like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. I mean, they're, they're, decent metric wise as far as running backs however like the upside is all gone because of josh allen am i am i missing something or uh, is there another you know way to look at this and where you might be interested in one of these two running backs 
No, you're not. You're not pulling anything from them. Like obviously, like you're looking at two guys. It's it's a one A one B backfield. No one's really taking over unless you know Zach Moss or Singletary. I think it's really Singletary's job to lose at this point. Like he's going to be the guy most likely in between the twenties with Zach Moss sprinkled in, but inside the twenty, it's almost going to be exclusively Zach Moss, just simply based on his size. If if a guy like Singletary falls to the sixth and he's like your third or fourth running back like take a flyer like maybe he plays a maybe plays a terrible defense one week and zach moss is hurt and, and like he's the only guy back there pop him in the lineup who knows maybe, maybe something happens but i i am not rushing to get any of these guys uh like the the only guy i'm potentially rushing to get if he falls is zach moss strictly for the mike tolbert factor of him potentially vulturing touchdowns but but the vulture on this team is josh allen so it doesn't matter like the the backfield is rendered useless at this point and singletary and zach moss are great football players they're terrible fantasy football players like if mitch trubisky was the quarterback we'd probably be talking about zach moss in a different light but with Josh Allen, it's, it's not, it's no competition. They're the second and third options behind him. It, it's so, uh, I, the reason why I don't, I'm not recommending drafting these players. And, and like you said, Zach Moss could be Mike Tolbert. You're very right on that fact. But the, I just, I don't know if I necessarily completely see that path because of Josh Allen, but also you talk about like tradability, which is not really talked about heavily during the draft, but you have to think about it in your mind because you're not going to have the team that you started off with when you end, unless you're in best ball. And so you have to think, okay, when I'm selecting players, do I at least have an option of like trading this guy if he doesn't necessarily pan out? And the more more often than not, it's not it's no with Zach Moss or, or Singletary because those guys are going to end up on the waivers and people don't want to trade for them because they know exactly what we're telling you, you know, like, oh, Josh Allen's a goal line back. So I just have a hard time drafting any of these players. But like, I do agree with you when you say if I'm going to take anybody, I'd probably take a stab at Zach Moss because he's the goal line guy. All right, I want to wrap up the the Buffalo Bills here uh, with the wide receiver. You mentioned them before. Uh, do you like, I mean, obviously, Stefan Diggs coming off as, you know, the three or fourth wide receiver off the board. Do you think that's justified with the fact that Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley are still there and, and Gabriel Davis? And then what roles do you expect those guys to play exactly now that John Brown is now out? Because Emmanuel Sanders is a, you know, shorter distance uh, guy, underneath guy. And so where, where are you kind of projecting these guys? Yeah, it, in his young when Sanders wasn't 34, he was a burner. Uh, he's he's no longer a burner at, at this point in his career. I, it, it don't get me wrong, he's still like I would want Emmanuel on my team. He's a solid receiver. Uh, Diggs will play out. Diggs is going to do the exact same thing as he did last year. Obviously, Cole Beasley is going to do the exact same thing as he did last year. Obviously, um, I again I don't I don't I I don't want to claim to know their entire offensive scheme, but if they're smart, 
they run four wide receiver sets 60% of the time because you'd run Diggs and Gabe Davis on the outside opposite each other and then Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders in the slot opposite each other. And then, you know, you can keep Singletary in the back in a pistol formation or just a straight shotgun with a running back off to the side. Or if you want to just go empty set and throw, I think Jacob Hollister, I didn't realize he was on the roster. Jacob Hollister is a really good pass catching tight end. Um, I don't know if he even makes the roster at this point, but the only guy standing in front of him is Tommy Sweeney, who's a seventh round pick. Um, Dawson Knox will make the roster. Uh, that's, I think he's the starter, but I think Jacob Hollister could maybe see some time. Um, yeah, if you're smart, like Stefan Diggs should get double coverage. And if he doesn't, the defensive scheme is wrong. Like it's just wrong. Let someone else beat you. Don't let Stefan Diggs beat you. So at that point, if you're telling me Gabriel Davis and his 4-3 speed is one-on-one on the second best DB on that defense, goodbye. That's like, that That should be 10 touchdowns for him this season. No no doubt at that point. Um, Colby, I think Colby does the exact same thing. I, I don't think anyone digs into anyone's targets at all because John Brown left. Um, obviously injured a lot last year, but even when he was the number one guy there, Brown garnered a lot of targets and he was a Josh Allen favorite and rightfully so. John Brown was a great receiver, but Diggs now fills that John Brown role, which he already filled last year. Gabe Davis now slides into John Brown's role that was last year. And now Sanders is just a nice little toy to have. Like, Sanders is just now there as an exceptional piece. They're nasty. Like, I'm I'm going to be honest. All of them are draftable. All of them. All right. I like that. I like that insight. 52 targets is what uh, John Brown had last year. And so it's like if you give Gabriel Davis, you know, 52 targets on like that super deep, you know, like you were just talking about, he could he definitely has a a really nice upside, especially like in a best ball format. I think that he he is a definite smash uh, guy that you can get way later in drafts that, like you said, it just takes that one-on-one coverage, which they're going to try to get him on because he's fast and big. And then you've got a guy who can literally chuck it over the mountains um, and, and Josh Allen. So uh, I do like that take. All right. That's enough of the Buffalo bills. Uh, we will move on to a, a less sexy, but still, you know, it, they, they could be sexy this year. M- Miami dolphins. At least I'm drinking the Kool-Aid down there in Florida. Let's uh, start off here with Tua. Do you think Tua is a guy that you would be interested in? You know, I know that you are uh, often a late round quarterback. Do you see a path where Tua could take a next step and be, you know, maybe a top eight? Or, you know, maybe you maybe if you think his legs could get him there, maybe top one, uh, you know, the number one overall quarterback. I don't know if that's in the range, but what are your thoughts on Tua this year? Dump off QBs don't tend to make top eight. So, wow. uh, yeah, so, sorry, sorry, Tua. Um, I am of the hard belief Nick Saban will never create an NFL starting quarterback. That's actually good. Tua is the only one that could potentially do that. Look back at his history. He has not he's not made a single one. It is uh, a good point. And I don't count Jalen Hurts as a Nick Saban quarterback. He was terrible at Alabama and Lincoln Riley made him the quarterback that he is right now. Tua has the best shot. He has an unbelievable ball. Like, you cannot take away the arm talent. I don't see it. Like, I don't think they're going to unleash him like they potentially should. And I also think he acted a little gun-shy last year. Um, he was, and again, that may be just because he's a rookie, didn't have his mini camps, all that stuff. I could be 100% wrong here. 
I don't want a share of Tua. And you're right, he's going to fall to like 12, 13, and this is single QB. Obviously, if it's a two QB league, I'm fairly positive he's going before the 10th round um, yeah. as someone's number two quarterback. His weapons are fantastic. They gave him Will Fuller. They drafted Jalen Waddle. Um, Miles Gaskin still out of the backfield. They got um, Mike Gesicki, obviously. They drafted Hunter Long from BC. So, uh, I mean, they, they gave him weapons to throw to. And I just, I don't see it. He acted gun shy. And I don't, and I think some of that was rookie minicamp, but I don't think all of it was. I think he's scared to make a mistake, especially off last year. He got benched twice. Yeah, like, that was that would do a little psyche to you. Yeah, like that that messes that messes, especially a young quarterback, that messes with him. And also they brought in Jacoby Brissett, who is not a world beater by any means, but Brissett is a guy who can come in off the bench and still win you a game if you need him to. So if two is playing poorly, I don't I don't Flores is gonna be like, goodbye, let's throw in Jacoby. And keep in mind, Brissett played with Brian Flores when he was in New England. So it that obviously the relationship there is why Jacoby Brissett partially got the job, um, but a very deserving job as a backup. I think Brissett's a good backup, but again, uh, it's, I don't see it with Tua. I, I don't, and I hope he proves me wrong because he he hasn't done anything to like anger me or be like an a hole of a player. Like he does everything correct. I know, right? He's such a player to like. Yeah, stand up guy, literally on the field, like FaceTiming his parents after he took his first NFL snap. Like how do you how do you not like that guy? Right. Just as a football player, I, I don't see it right now. And he has all the talent and weapons to do it. I just don't see it. See, Joe Joe separates, you know, his emotions from the fantasy analytics. That's that's what Joe's really good at. He could do that. Uh, I tend to like the emotional part, but I I will say this. Would it surprise I mean, it did kind of surprise me a little bit that uh if you look at Tua's deep ball attempts per game, he actually only had one fewer deep ball attempt per game on average than Josh Allen. Josh Allen had 4.3 and two actually had 3.3. Now, I do know that uh, the reason that they drafted uh, Waddle and then they also got went out and got a guy like Will Fuller was because Tua was taking those attempts, but they were meaningless because they didn't have a player to go down and get the ball that was good at contested rate and could win that one-on-one. They were using Mike Jacecki as that player. And we all know, like, don't get me wrong, I'm one of the biggest Mike Jacecki fans that you'll probably ever meet because he's just from an athletic standpoint, he has it all. Freak. And so I understand like he could run a four, four, two or whatever it is. And he's a tight end. I get it, but he's not the guy you want as your outside X receiver going down the field. And so now, you know, cause you also had Devonte Parker who was a little bit injured and Devonte Parker. Anyway, he kind of tends to take the more underneath stuff as opposed to downfield with them bringing in a guy like Will Fuller, who we've seen do do that for Deshaun Watson. Now, am I comparing you know, Tua to Deshaun, I'm not because Deshaun is a lot more of a risk taker, especially down the field. But we've seen Will Fuller get open and some of those bombs could be very easy for Tua. And then same with Waddle. I mean, Waddle, he, he, a lot of people are projecting him, you know, as a quote, it was funny, quote unquote, Tyree Kill, you know, 2.0. Everyone's trying to say they, that everyone's got one. Um, but I'm just saying that with that speed and the guys that can actually win one-on-one on the outside, 
and then go up and get the ball, he might have a chance. But I do like your breakdown on Tua, and I do think that that's probably going to be more realistic. I, you know, as I was doing up the show notes and stuff, I was I was thinking to myself, we're probably just a year too early on Tua. In all honesty, I think you know he'll get one more year, get that confidence up, get these nice weapons integrated, and then he'll get the confidence and and go from that second to third year and really potentially see that big breakout. I like that uh, from you. All right, I'm going to ask you about Miles Gaskins because everyone uh, has an opinion on him because uh, why not? He's, you know, he survived the NFL draft, Joe. He survived. And so my question to you, are you one of those that are is buying into him or are you saying, you know what, I understand the production was there, but I think it was a little fluky. I'm going to stay away and I would rather go in a, another direction. Uh, I have him in a dynasty league, so I I am have to buy <laughs> you into and Ryan, you Miles and Gaskin. Ryan. Yeah, I ha- I have to at this point. I have to buy into Miles Gaskin. But no, I late the two biggest winners in the NFL draft: Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin. Not even close. Their their teams just said, "Yeah, we don't want a running back. We'll roll with Mike Davis." And get, they're both solid running backs. None of them are world beaters, but uh, I like we saw what Gaskin did last year. Like he was great. Um, he is a solid pass catcher, so you know he's going to get those PPR points. Dump off City Tua if he keeps up what he did last year, <laughs> dump it off to Miles Gaskin. That'd be fantastic. He, I mean, he, he has he has no competition. He's not going to get goal line carries. He's too small. Um, that'll probably go to Malcolm Brown uh, just because he's now in there. Big body dude saw him last year in Los Angeles with the Rams. Uh, or even Patrick Laird, who somehow still has a job with this team. Um, I have no idea. I don't get it. Yeah. But, and again, it's, I think it shows the confidence that Flores in the offense has in Miles Gaston, considering he was a seventh round pick in his third year. This is going into his third year. Um, it's just the, the confidence to have in a guy like that. Like we saw James Robinson undrafted last year. He was one. He was one of the best fantasy football running backs, and probably one of the best overall running backs in the NFL. And boneheaded Urban Meyer said, "No, we'll take a running back in the first round with that pick." I, I completely disagree with that move that Jacksonville did because you already had a guy who's you're literally paying the league minimum for, and mm. now you're paying another running back five million a year. Like that, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, different, different story for a different day, but. Miles Gaskin is getting the literally league minimum. I think he's bottom 10 in running back salary right now in the NFL. That shows the confidence this team has in him. And that's what I like. I am not reaching for him by any means. Like if someone's going to take Miles Gaskin in the fourth round, let him have him. Cause at that point he's your second running back. And I don't think he's RB two numbers. Can he get there? Definitely. I think he's more like scraping RB two numbers. Because there's going to be weeks he gives you RB1, a lot of weeks he gives you RB2, and then like five weeks where he's non-existent. And I don't like that. So if he falls to me in the seventh or eighth, whoop, scoop him right up. That's perfect. Uh, but I, I like Miles Gaskin this year. I know it's you talk, everyone has an opinion. That is literally heads or tails. You cannot be in the middle with Miles Gaskin. It's heads or tails. You're one way or the other. I know. And it's like... You made some good arguments, though, that I didn't necessarily I I don't know if I'm so concerned about Malcolm Brown. I mean, the goal line thing is very interesting uh, because he is so much bigger, you know, than Miles Gaskin. But 
you know, Miles Gaskin is so electric, man. I mean, he he's he was slippery. behind. He's one. He was behind one of the worst offensive lines in football, and he still averaged four point one yards per carry. Which, like, I'm not the biggest yards per carry guy, but that's impressive. If if you're doing that behind one of the worst offensive lines, I will say this: uh, the amount of money is also a little bit of a concern from the point of like, okay, like they could cut ties with them so easily. And do I think that happens? I don't because I do think that they're, they saw and they liked what they saw, but I do want to say that this Jared Dokes kid who they just drafted, I, and now I'm not saying that uh, he'll necessarily be a kid this, this year or a guy this year, he could be, you know, later on if there's injuries and things like that, but he's really interesting. I'll tell you for down the road, if I'm in a dynasty league, I'm I I am very much considering taking a dart throw on him because I watched some of his tape and I really liked what I saw is from pass catching standpoint and just kind of what they kind of like, you know, as far as like a one cut runner kind of thing. He's he's just big and and he's a bruiser. So I do think he's a little bit interesting, but I I am on the side of Miles Gaskin this year, but I do like what you're saying about getting him in the fourth rather, or I mean in the sixth or or fifth as opposed to the fourth. I okay. Oh no, Sorry. no, you're good. No, I would say, and also Jared Dokes is a seventh round pick, and we know Miami likes yep. their seventh round running backs. So yep, a hundred percent. Yeah, which I think was smart. You know, I was asking Ryan about that um, on, on one of our past shows, and. I was just saying how I I think that's going to be much more of a common thing coming for moving forward because analytics plays a huge part in in all sports now and that's continuing to grow and the analytics just keep showing hey grab these undrafted free agents or these late round running backs use them for a year or two and then get another one and it's it's unfortunate it really is because the guys that are really fun to watch and electric are making you know the worst salary uh you know in in football speaking of a guy who almost was making a terrible salary and would have actually probably been out of the league but then turned around and then he kind of baffled us last year again Devonte parker in this question of a post hype hype sleeper, are you on that one? He's going super, super late, late in drafts. Like I'm talking 10th, 11th round plus. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Will Fuller there as a new addition. We talked about him being added, Jalen Waddle in the draft and Mike Jacecki. What are you thinking about these pass catchers? Are you interested in them? Uh, you were talking about how you're interested in every one of the Buffalo Bills wide receivers, but how many of the Miami Dolphins wide receivers are you interested in? If you're telling me Devontae Parker is going in the 10th round. It's I a am, steal, right? Like I it's am like all in on Devontae Parker. You're telling me Devontae I, Parker is going to be my fourth or fifth wide receiver? Why not? Literally, why not? Like, are you you don't have to rely on him ever. Like, and he's the number, he's the number one. Sorry, Will Fuller, you're not the number one. He's the number one. Um, and I understand the hit because Tua didn't, didn't know Devontae Parker was ever on the field. So I understand that. Um, Sorry, the I, way you phrased that was hilarious. I got got to phrase it funny. Thank you. Um, Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle are the same human. They just mm -hmm. wear different numbers and have different names. Um... I like Will Fuller. I like Will Fuller this year. I hate Jalen Waddle this year. I I just I don't see him. Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle are the same person. 
Like the you, exact same person. Yeah. The exact, you want to talk about Jalen Waddle being the next Tyreek Hill? Will Fuller is already a deep threat in the NFL. Like, he's there. He's solidified. Miami brought him in for that reason. Like, Devontae Parker was their deep threat. He's not that guy. He's a possession guy. Will Fuller is the guy that's going to speed down the field and open up the middle of the field for Devontae Parker. That's exactly why they did that. Jalen Waddle, I think, is going to run more underneath stuff. Think of, like, Albert Wilson when he's ever healthy uh, for that team, which isn't a bad thing. But Jalen Waddle's not going to be a slot guy like uh, Edelman, Cole Beasley, go back to, like, the late 2000s, early 2010s, Wes Welker. That's going to get you 100 catches. That's just not going to happen. Uh, too many miles to feed in this offense. I don't think they let Tua sling it that much to allow three receivers to do anything with it. If you're telling me Devontae Parker's falling to the 10th, I am taking him in the 10th. I would take him in the 8th. Like, that is criminal he's falling that low. I know. It's it's wild. Yeah, and, at, and by, by no means am I I'm not high on Devontae Parker by any means, but I'm high enough to the point where you're dumb to not take him if he's not there as your third receiver even. Like, again, third, third receiver, yes, in a lot of leagues where you can flex two or three receivers, you may have to rely on your third receiver. But if you're telling me you're, he's your third receiver behind, uh, I don't know, Justin Jefferson and then give me a wide receiver too, like, that that's absurd. That a guy you know is the solidified one in his offense is now your wide receiver three. That's crazy to me. That is that's utter bedlam. Like that makes I, no I, sense. I think it's a major part of the fact that you know Parker was such a bust for so long. He burned so many people, and then he had the breakout year, right? And and some people bought into that. You know, it wasn't you know an astronomical draft price last year, but it was higher. And then he you know failed. No wide, no Dolphins wide receiver was inside the top forty at the position last year. And, you know, Devontae Parker finishing as a wide receiver 46. And so I think too many people look at that and they just see those numbers and say, OK, well, Devontae Parker is who we thought he was. Right. But I, I think that they failed to realize one, you know, like you said, Tua, what he wasn't playing the right position last year. Two, he was injured, like he was dealing with a hamstring injury that significantly hampered him the entire season. And he just kept playing because he wanted to show people how tough he was because he was tired of that notion. And so it's like, I, you know, I, it's if you drafted him last year, yeah, it does suck. But I do think he's a guy that I'm definitely buying back into. And I've been taking on in a lot of mock drafts. I'll, I'll tell you that, Joe. Like, I'm like, what? Devontae Parker? All right. I That's guess I'll nuts. throw him on here because, yeah, like you said, you grab a solid wide receiver, an anchor wide receiver, as we like to say it on the, on this show. And then, you know, you wait till that sixth, seventh round to grab your second wide receiver. And then you, uh, you get a guy like Parker as your third. I think that you could do a lot of damage with that. All right. We are going to move on to your favorite team, Joe. Uh, that is the New England Patriots here. Uh, we will start this topic off with a Cam Newton uh, truth uh, section because I, I listen, I, I'll be honest with you. I had we had talked about or we had Cam Newton on this on show sheets uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, and I could not make the show. It was with Stepmom Lauren and Big Travi and they just were they hated Cam. They were like not about it. They didn't like it. Finished as the QB 16. They didn't see the upside. And I'm sitting here thinking, 
I do think there is a little bit of upside. Call me crazy, but for as late as Cam Newton is going and for as much as the upside that we did see in those first two games pre-COVID, I that's the whole thing was like pre-COVID, he looked great. Post-COVID, he said he he suffered some stuff. They didn't have the receivers. The list goes on. But we have seen that upside, and I think that upside intrigues me, especially if I can, you know, people keep taking my quarterbacks and, you know, it's like in my back pocket, hey, I'll just end up going with Cam. Are you on that boat? Are you, I mean, tell us the truth. I mean, you're you're the guy to go to. You're no better person than ask Joe Zolo about Cam Newton. I made a list of quarterbacks that I'd rather start over Cam Newton. 73 quarterbacks made that list. 73. 73 quarterbacks. Oh, so there, are, there are only 32 quarterbacks that start in, start the, NFL. in the NFL. Yo, there, I'm are, very... there are 64 quarterbacks that that make up a start yeah. or a backup. And Joe is saying that Cam Newton shouldn't even be one of those ones. Correct. And Explain let me, let me, yourself, Joe. Let, let, me, let me preface. It's 72 and Nathan Peterman. Nathan Peterman made the list strictly on an entertainment factor. That was the oh only reason he made the list. I sat well, there and said, who would I want to watch play football? It was also, who do I think could you know throw the football better than Cam Newton, which is everyone on the face of the planet. Um, but I sat there and said, you know what? Nathan Peterman would be more entertaining than Cam Newton. Do I know I'm going in with a loss? 100%. But I don't have to wait for the heartbreak because it happens on the first play. Uh, Listen, if you talk to if you ask the right coach, Peterman's the best quarterback in the league, man. Yeah, John Cruz. So that so that so Cam could take that as a as a compliment. Uh, I, but, I guess. But, no, but tell tell the people why you're you're so against him. He he can't play football anymore. It is that simple. He can't play the game anymore. Can he run? On occasion, like. He's he's six foot six, two hundred and sixty pounds. He's a refrigerator with legs. Like you, he's not going to go down in the backfield. It's impossible. He's too big. He's his entire career has been about that. Two shoulder surgeries later, he can't throw the football. It is painful to watch him throw the football. He can't do it. Like there was there's a play against the Houston Texans. He had Demir Bird. Butt naked. My favorite term in football is butt naked. He was butt naked 30 yards down the field in the end zone, wide open. Demir Bird toasted the guy who was covering him. And Cam Newton did a 10-yard check down to Jacoby Myers. And you watch the replay and you sit there and you're baffled. You're just like every quarterback in the NFL would make that throw except Cam Newton because he knows in the back of his head he can't do it. He can't do it. He had... One passing touch. His first passing touchdown to a receiver came in week 13. He was 31st in the league in deep ball attempts at, at 26 <laughs> last year. So, uh, yeah, that, that was that is not good. 31st. Why? Huh? Why is he on a give me wrong? He should be on a roster as a backup and mentor to Trey Lance because that's the quarterback that is the next Cam Newton or built like Cam Newton is what I should say. Why is why is he on this roster blows my mind. Him and Mac Jones could not be on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to quarterbacks. Pocket passer, can't move, can't throw in the pocket, only moves. Like they are on opposite ends of the spectrum. So I don't know how they're going to build their offense this year cuz to me 
it should be Mac Jones starting 16 of 17 games and Cam Newton gets his revenge game against Carolina. Let him have fun. Let it be the last hurrah. Um, but I, just, oh, oh God, I, 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 I despise Cam Newton as a player. He's he, everything he does for the community, especially in Carolina. He's a saint when it comes to like helping children in the community. He, he will go down as one of the best running in dual threat quarterbacks at the position. He's just not that guy anymore. And it's not for lack of trying. It's for injuries and the fact that he has the most rushing touchdowns of any quarterback ever. And he's gotten beat the F up over his career. And that's not his fault. It isn't because he, he took a lot. Uh, he took a, a, lot a of huge yeah. beating. Here's here's what I I, I want to I'm just going to throw back some nice interesting stats your way all Go right for it so uh, you know I talked about how the deep ball complete you know the deep balls were n- not there 26 yeah a total uh, 31st on the league but I will say that his deep ball completion percentage was number four in the league with 53.8 percent so my question to you is they brought in all these you know um, these pass catching options right and this is why i do think is a little bit kind of funny in the in the whole term of of how we look at certain players right because we look at lamar jackson as super super high upside he's got this rushing ability that gives him the konami code and uh and he's electric but he can't throw but but we like him right he's he's got that upside Cam Newton, on the other hand, threw for 100 yards less than Lamar Jackson did last year. Uh, granted, a lot fewer touchdowns, but Cam Newton had more rushing touchdowns, I believe. Yes, he did. Uh, Cam Newton was 12, had 12 rushing touchdowns, number one in the league. He was number two in rushing attempts. So I just find it really funny that we are so high on, on Lamar Jackson but so low on Cam Newton. But when you break down the numbers, they're very, very similar uh, from, you know, passing and running standpoint. The other thing that I want to, we'll dive into right now is I am, I am interested in these added weapons for new England. I think that that was a huge reason why we didn't see Cam Newton be successful in you know, a lot of those plays, I think that offensive line was, was pretty bad. I think it'll be better this year. Um, but I think that's why he, he was a little bit reluctant on some of those deeper attempts, but you're right. Like he, there were definite plays. And I believe, I believe last year, right. There was, there was a few seconds left on a game or something. And they actually brought cam out from the 50 yard line or something because they didn't think he could get the ball there. Am, am I, I, I might be misconstruing no, that with another. No, sub- you, you are very correct. Cause yeah. he couldn't have gotten the ball. There. Yeah. You are very correct. <laughs> so I, I do get that, but let me ask you, you don't think any of these weapons. So, you know, Nikhil Harry, you know, maybe we're still waiting for that, you know, 20 year breakout. We'll, we'll see. Uh, they bring in Nelson Aguilar. They get Jonu Smith Hunter Henry seems maybe they'll go back to that more. So Tom Brady, dual tight end kind of thing, which actually might help a guy like Cam Newton because his, you know, yards per attempt was 7.2, which is, you know, minimal. You don't think that that could help him 
be more steady, be more consistent. And then the fact that that could, you know, maybe elevate his game or you you're just like, I'm writing off basically everybody except for maybe these running backs who we'll dive into right after these wide receivers. Yeah, no, those weapons are going to be great for Mac Jones. I definitely agree with you from that standpoint. They'd be great for Mac Jones. All right, how many games then? How many games are you predicting? You're, you're saying 16 of 17 games. You think Mac Jones starts? That Yeah, the 16 of 17 games is just me being a, an a-hole. Um, I, 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 I want Mac Jones to start every single game. I want him to suffer in his rookie year and learn the consequences. That That's what I want out of him. Because I, I don't... I, He's somewhat pro ready, but I don't think he's there yet. Um, I I would like to see him. I don't think it happens. I think he probably starts somewhere in the range of 12, 10 to twelve games. Um, I again, I, I I don't really know. Bill Belichick is a wild card right now, uh, but I, I do want to say one reason I hate numbers. Uh, that stat you brought up that Cam Newton was the fourth most efficient deep ball passer. Did you also know halfway through the season, he was the second most clutch quarterback in the fourth quarter behind Aaron Rodgers, according to Pro Football Focus? That's why numbers are stupid, because in no way, shape or form was Cam Newton even the definition of clutch. He was the furthest thing. He was the definition of choke. I don't understand how he got that ranking. It makes no sense to me. It is the numbers are stu- Jay Cutler. If we looked at the numbers, Jay Cutler's the best quarterback of all time. Like it makes no sense. These numbers that they throw out and all this garbage. So I respect the numbers. Hey, yeah. Don't, Hey Joe, don't be, don't hate the player. Hate the game, man. I, listen, that's, that's, that's uh, all I got to say, dude. Listen, the, I hate the numbers. The numbers <laughs> is the game. The players, you live off your numbers. I, I don't hate you. I know a lot of people that live off their numbers. They do just fine. I, I'm, I, I, I am. It's, it's funny you say that because I am not. I, I do. I did bring up those numbers, not necessarily because I believe in them. Yeah. It was more so because I knew it could be a, be a good piece, right? But um, I do, I do think it's really, really funny how like you do find certain people that are like super super just numbers people and that blows my mind like i was it telling my no wife sense. that i was like oh yeah they're like some analytic a fantasy analysts that literally don't even watch the game they just look at the numbers and i'm like i could never do that do you and do she's that? like oh you wouldn't say and i just like because i every sunday that's just all i do is watch the games from morning to night and uh yeah so i that just Never, I mean, never yeah, made. the the epitome of numbers, and it stems from baseball. But the epitome of numbers, like if you're, if anyone watches baseball, the Rays live and breathe by analytics. They took out their ace pitcher in the game six of the World Series. He let up two hits. Didn't even walk anybody. He was the sixth inning. Let up two hits. Had like seventy pitches. If you know anything about baseball, yeah. Moneyball. Literally, they follow Moneyball to a T. The Rays pulled their their ace pitcher in game six he was never going to pitch again that season game six of the world series they were winning guess what happened they bring in their reliever because of the analytics and they lose and the dodgers win that game and they win the world series Uh, if i'm the if i'm the coach blake snell should be pitching 200 pitches and his arm should fall off by the end of that game because he then has five months to rehab it blows my mind, these analytics and all these things like the, should you kick on fourth and goal? Should you go for it? Take the damn points. Like, what are we talking about here? Like a game last year with the Vikings, they go for it on fourth and two against the Seahawks. They're up five. They, I'm like, you kick the field goal, you go up eight. 
So no yeah, brainer, some, right? Sometimes they do get a little bit in their heads with it. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, I mean, analytics do show that you should never punt the ball. You should go for it every single every fourth down because more oftentimes than not, you will actually get it, continue the drive, and potentially score your points. But, yeah, I, I think that there are some funny things and how they decide are, are interesting. Nuts. I just want to say, so uh, I, with the Cam Newton on how long before he you know gets benched for, for Mac Jones, I, I think it's going to be quick, unfortunately, yeah. because so they play the Dolphins week one, then the Jets. OK, he'll probably have a nice game against the Jets. Uh, well, even, you know. then, well you then, see, last year, Joe Flacco you, played him. Yeah, right. It was gross. Uh, yeah, that is true. Well, I mean, that yeah. was a showdown for the ages. Uh, they 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 took it back for for that night. Yes, um, the El Clasico. Then, <laughs> then they go to the Saints, uh, which we we know the Saints typically have a, a nice defense. Then the Bucks. So I highly doubt that if they, I mean, there's a very real, like real possibility that they lose to the Dolphins, they lose to the Saints and the Buccaneers, and they're sitting at one and three with Cam. And then they're going into this, you know, October game, Patriots versus Texans. And they're like, all right, Mac Jones, you're, you're in buddy. Cause this yeah. is, but we'll see. Uh, I do, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say, go into every draft taking cam newton i'm not going to tell people that uh i will say though like if several of my quarterbacks that i'm looking at come off the board then i and i'm you know at, at one point i'll just be like all right i'll just go with cam newton and figure it out later because i do think you know he'll have he's had really good games at the beginning of last season because of his rushing ability so i would i would just ride that uh until i could find a waiver wire quarterback all right, Joe, last team here. We're going to talk about the New York Jets. This will probably be a, a rather quick one because we yeah. said that in the beginning of the show. Yeah. Um, the New York Jets, they they go out, they revamp this whole thing. No more Adam Gase. Can we just uh, real quick, just can we get just a thank you? Though that was. Yeah, the uh, the blackmail must have been deleted off his hard drive or something because. Right. He doesn't have a job anymore. What it did. Oh man, there's so That's so the, many so many yes that that reason. has to be yep. that that has to be. I swear we're gonna get a documentary like ten years down the road, and it was like how Adam Gase. It'll be like uh, one of those American greeds, you know, and it'll be like how Adam Gase was able to distort the New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins to let him be a coach for like the last eight years because or however long it was too long because it was ridiculous but all right now they're free from that they get a new coach he's a defensive-minded head coach yet the offense uh their offensive coordinator is uh mike lafleur the co or the brother of matt lafleur and they're also under the disciple and tree of um uh kyle shanahan excuse me i blank for a second so we've got Zach Wilson, who is a rookie quarterback. Uh, generally, that doesn't tend to work out super, super well, but he does have some athletic traits. You're not getting this guy in drafts, are you? But are, are you keeping, I mean, we're just telling people basically keep an eye out for him because he is super athletic. He could be fun to watch and it might stream. You might be able to stream him. Um, but other than that, probably staying away from him in most leagues. 
Yeah, I can I can almost guarantee you he'll be on Ryan's stream of the week at one point on yeah. Club Fin. I I can almost guarantee that because it's going to be a matchup that that the Jets are heavily favored in, or they look good. The Jets play the Texans this year. Yep. Like there's there's an odds that Zach Wilson probably has a good game against the worst defense in the NFL. So I'm not drafting him in redraft. I think the only rookie quarterback that's probably you're going to draft in redraft is probably Trevor Lawrence. Um, obviously, you got a Clemson fan in your league. He'll draft Trevor Lawrence. But, I, you know, I don't think any of these guys you're you're rushing to get from a rookie quarterback standpoint, especially Zach Wilson. But definitely keep an eye on the waiver wire, especially if he has a good matchup like the Texans. I just know that one off the top of my head. I'm looking here. Uh, they do play the Bengals October 31st. That defense they, was horrendous last they year. Ha, they have a they have a sneaky. I think they have a sneaky good defense. Listen, listen. Okay. Uh, are they world beaters? No. Is Jesse Bates one of the best safeties in the league? Yes. Um, they got Trey Hendrickson to go across Sam Hubbard, so they're gonna have a good pass rush. Uh, their linebackers are garbage. They'll just their linebackers suck. Uh, but they they lost William Jackson, which is a big hit. So it. They will be able to get thrown on if the Jets can block for Zach Wilson, which the left side of the line I have faith in. Mm -hmm. George Fant from Seattle, I have zero faith in. So that's going to be the issue there. And I'll just let you know, Whisper Nation, you just got a, a, a good little dose of why Joe is so good because he does the uh, defensive side of the ball and he knows like all these players on the defensive side. And so that's that's very good information uh, to know. All right. So you're not uh, necessarily I, I you know, I, I do tend to agree. I do like that left side of that offensive line. It's real yeah. nice. So that makes and I. <laughs> With 100% honesty, I have no idea how I missed Tevin Coleman going to the New York Jets. Oh, I don't know when everybody. this. Yeah, I, I literally. So Michael Carter gets drafted there. I'm super excited. I'm telling people like, oh, Michael Carter, top of the depth chart. Go get him, you know. And then I go to do this show outline for, for us, you know. And I'm looking and I'm like. Wait, Tevin Coleman is on the New York Jets. When did I miss this? And I'm messaging yep. people. I'm like, did anybody else see this information? So let us know now what you think of, you know, Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter. Do you expect him to actually take over that job right away? Do you think, you know, with this offensive system and scheme, we've seen that kind of, you know, tend to nurture Tevin Coleman, but he can't stay healthy. So where would you lean in this running back system uh, based on that information? Yeah, Robert Sala is really warming up the uh, IR spot there for Tevin Coleman. So he's not a worry whatsoever. Um, I like LaMichael Pirine, but keep in mind, Robert Sala and Michael Floyd didn't draft LaMichael Pirine. They drafted Michael Carter. Uh, both fourth-round guys. Um, I mean, I mean, Pirine isn't, like, anything special. He's He was a solid running back at Florida, and he looked okay last year. But, I mean, Michael Carter and Javante Williams were, like, God and Jesus themselves, according to people you talk to if you're, you know, a big UNC fan. Um... I'm not. I'm not going to claim to know that I know a lot about Michael Carter, but I got him in both dynasty drafts that I was in because I. There's zero competition in front of him. Where there's did no, you land him? Uh, I a think asking for a friend, of course. You know. I think I got him in actually both spots in the draft. One was a ten team. One was a twelve team. I got him at nineteen in both spots. I think. No I, way. Hold on. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got him in nineteen. 
in the 10 team. So okay. two, 209, I think that yeah. is. And then I actually traded back from the number two spot to the number six and then back to 11 and got Michael Carter in a 12 team, one QB. Wow, Both I of these see. are one QBs. So I apologize. Okay. Not 19 in the 12 team. Well, 19 even, in the 10. even still, I was, that's a little surprising to me. Um, I mean, I guess you do end I mean, up if you need wide receivers and things like that. Um, I, the only reason I'm asking is because I, I current our draft is next, uh, next Wednesday or this Wednesday coming up and I've got the one Oh nine. And I have an idea of who I kind of want to get, but I, I definitely didn't really expect that Michael Carter would be there. And then now you got me thinking that maybe Michael Carter will be available in the second round, which would be interesting. So I'll, I'll tell you the guys that were drafted in that 12 team ahead of him, Trevor Lawrence at one. And I will, it is a one QB, but the guy who took Trevor Lawrence at one has Deshaun Watson as his quarterback, so he just wanted oh, stability, yeah. just in case yeah. you know that anything happens sense. there. Yeah. Uh, number two, he thinks Travis Etienne is is Jesus, so he took Travis Etienne. Um, Jamar Chase needed a wide receiver. Kyle Pitts wanted a tight end. Najee Harris went 105. That blows my mind. I don't know how Najee Harris fell there. Wow. Um, and that was the thing. I had the sixth pick. And I was like, if Najee Harris falls to me at six, that's a no-brainer. But he was drafted before me. Did you at all try to maybe trade up to get that? No, I was I was gonna sit there and wait because I I mean my I'm not my team is free, my team's loaded like my yeah. team not to brag my team is loaded. Um, so I sat there and said I don't need to trade up to get Najee Harris if he falls to me great. If not, I knew I was gonna trade back because someone at eleven wanted my sixth pick for Jalen Waddle. And I'm like, I don't want Jalen Waddle in the slightest. So let me trade back. And if Javante Williams falls, great. If not, I want Michael Carter. That's perfect. So um, when Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Kenneth Gainwell, I don't know why. I, I don't, I don't know fan? why. No, Ravens fan. Makes no wow. sense. Okay. Um, Javante Williams went 109. Rashad Bateman at the 110. And then I took Michael Carter at the 111. Wow. Uh, and the next that running... Is an order. Yeah, the next running back off the board there didn't go until the 3-2, and that was Trey Sermon. So, yeah, Trey Sermon's falling. He went to the 3-2 in both of the dynasty drafts I was in. Okay, uh, but yeah, that's I, good. I'm a fan of Michael Carter. Like, I, I was okay trading back to take Michael Carter, and I was perfectly fine with it. I got a first-round pick next year to trade back and get Michael Carter, who's probably going to be a one a or one B in that mm-hmm. offense. Perfect. Yeah, I'll I, take I it. love, I love that move. I'm that's what I was kind of considering potentially moving back uh, out of that. Cause I like you, I have a pretty solid team. So it's like, I'm thinking about just adding future picks and then yeah. taking, you know, especially if I know like a guy like Michael Carter is going to be there and in, in potentially the second round, then I think that's a good move to make. All right, let me ask you uh, then on Corey, Corey Davis. So, sorry, you are expecting, would you, would you expect anything from Michael Carter this year? Are you drafting him in redraft leagues? He's draftable. He's going to be a guy where like he'll still, I, I, I would think he's still there in the 10th or 11th round. Mm-hmm. Fifth, fifth running back option. Why not? Like the it, at that point, what do you? We I mean, I'm sure you say this all the time. What are you looking for in late rounds? Upside. Upside. Yep. Michael Carter is the epitome of upside in in the tenth round. He's could potentially be the starting running back behind Makai Becton, who's a freight train, and Elijah Vera Tucker, 
who's a freight train, like two first-round picks on the left side of that line. If they don't run inside zone to the left side on all of their run plays, they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would, Michael it Carter's... It would make sense that they would do that. It would, but Michael Carter's definitely draftable. You're not drafting him to be a starter. You're drafting him with the thought that he could potentially be a flex play for you on weeks where he plays teams like a Cincinnati who has a bad run defense, like a Houston who has a terrible run defense, games like that. Well, and I think, I think too, you, you end up, you draft him, especially that late and knowing that, Hey, just a matter of time, like you said, before Tevin Coleman just goes on that IR, unfortunately, and then you've got your, you know, your workhorse guy who, okay. If P Ryan does end up getting some volume, then you can reassess obviously, but I I'm with, you know, your kind of take where this is a new coaching regime. They don't have anything, any ties to P Ryan. And so I could definitely see them, you know, giving a big workload to Carter and he was super electric in college. Now, whether or not that'll translate over, I don't, I can't guarantee, but I will say for the price that you're paying, I definitely see a path to upside. And then guess what? Like I don't have significant ties or at that point, you're not significantly invested to where like, if you need to drop a guy like that, there's a good potential that no one picks up him because they don't know who Michael Carter is and he's exactly. not a starter. So I just think that it's kind of a win-win with him in draft. So I, as far as all Jets players go, I probably will have the most shares of Michael Carter this year. Yep. I do want to jump into these wide receivers real quick before we end the show. Uh, Corey Davis, I feel so bad for the guy. Uh, and Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, who a lot of people actually – Uh, really do like and are intrigued by Denzel Mims, uh, you know, second year wide receiver thought maybe this year could be some upside potential, but, you know, getting Corey Davis in there, getting Elijah Moore, what, and with a rookie quarterback, I mean, are you, where are you at uh, with these wide receivers? If someone said, you know, Joe, you have to take a Jets wide receiver, which one would you ultimately go with? Um, But realistically, are you taking any of these guys? I mean, if if you gun to my head, probably Elijah Moore, because uh, I think he's getting the best draft capital, like double digit rounds. I think Mims and Corey Davis are good. I, I don't understand the hype on Corey Davis. Let's pump the brakes here. He's been he was a number one receiver before, and he was terrible, like bad. And let's let's keep in mind here: are the defenses in this in this division ecstatic? No. But the cornerbacks are. He's facing Stephon Gilmore twice a year. He's facing um, Tredavious White twice a year and either Byron Jones or Xavier Howard twice a year. Sorry, those are six games he's not catching a football. So, like, I, I don't I don't understand what the, what the hype is here behind Corey Davis. And also, yeah, we, well, I'll, I'll add in the rookie quarterback just because I don't think Corey Davis is going to be good here. The rookie quarterback thing doesn't scare me as much. Keenan Allen got the ball thrown him 22 times in one game, and Justin Herbert was a rookie. It, it doesn't matter. Like, it, if you have talent, the quarterback's going to throw to you. The sad reality is Corey Davis lost the talent the moment he left Central Michigan. So, I, I'm sorry, he Joe, did. Like, bring in the heat on the job. I love it, dude. Don't apologize for anything. Don't apologize. Just, this is great. Uh, he, he, to me, he should have stayed in, in, in Tennessee. A.J. Brown was getting all the attention, letting Corey Davis have games of excellence. Corey Davis, I'm sorry, Denzel Mims, is not drawing double teams or safety help over the top. So that means, who's it going to? Corey Davis, 
the veteran and former first-round pick. That's who the help is going to. Because it's not going to Chris Herndon. It's not going to Elijah Moore or Jamison Crowder. It's going to Corey Davis. He's a former first-round pick. It's going to Corey Davis. So him getting all the attention, I hate. Now, could it be where LaFleur and Salah can maybe scheme to get him open on quick screens and things like that? Sure. I don't think Davis has the elusive ability to break like a Debo Samuel or a Brandon Ayuk, just going back to that 49ers offense where these guys have come from. I don't mind Denzel Mims. If he falls into the double-digit rounds, you know, again, flyer pick. If he's a bench guy for me, I saw him play at Baylor in person. He's a beast of a human. He's a big boy. Like, you don't realize, like, I don't. I think he's only like 6'2", 6'3", but he's jacked. Like, he's huge. I don't think there's a big breakout in year two. Um, I, I, I just, I, I think Elijah Moore is the best talent out of this entire receiver class. And the fact he fell to the second round blows my mind. Like, I, I get, well, who's it? Kadarius Tony from Florida? Dude, I, oh my, yeah, d- just, uh, d- Dave Gettleman. What a move! You moving well, back, and and you heard you heard that that's why the Jags took Etn was because they wanted Kadarius Tony, and the Giants took him. So then they were like, "Oh well, I guess we'll get the next closest player to that kind of style." <sighs> and so they went with Etn. That's the rumor, or like what I was reading, and I was like, "This is unbelievable! This is this cannot be happening." Urban Meyer, I know is this is so stupid. Wow. <laughs> Jaguars fans, I apologize that you paid this man a lot of money to sign Tim Tebow and oh, then go 5-13 and 13 this year. I am sorry that you've had to dealt with Greg Marone for the past four seasons and Blake Bortles as your quarterback previous to that. And now you finally get a quarterback that is probably going to be a good starting quarterback in the NFL. And Urban Meyer is going to take you to 5-12. and 12. I'm sorry, Joe. Joe, you're making a great case on why we need to have you on when we talk about uh, that division. Because line me up, I'm okay. ready. Uh, you had some great takes, man. I, I love it. I love it. Um, any, uh, so you, you're taking Elijah Moore, yeah. Uh, if anyone, I, I think that that's an interesting. Uh, there was a, a really cool stat here. Oh, I don't have. I was going to quickly go over to those other. Um, show notes that I could definitely mention, but uh, shout out to someone, uh, the guy on Twitter. I saw this on, on his account, but he said over the last two years, there's been a second round rookie that has gotten over 850 yards receiving uh, 600 or six, six touchdowns and like, I don't know, 80 receptions. And so there was, you know, we're going through the list and obviously Elijah Moore is one of those guys that did get drafted in the second round. However, I think it would be a a little bit uh, of a stretch to maybe think that he could get there, especially in this year one um, with this offense, the way it looks. It'll be interesting, though, to see Elijah Moore. A lot of people are excited for him. Uh, They're going to have to throw. And that only benefits Elijah Moore at that point. And if I'm if I'm just thinking back here, um, I think the previous two second round picks that they may be talking about went to the same college as Elijah Moore, also known as AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Um, so uh, that just maybe maybe the couple of receivers he's he's talking about at that point. Uh, again, yeah, for they that all one, played and then, together. And then Miss. last year, I believe it was. Um, Justin Jefferson and uh, CD Lamb. 
So it was, uh, if I'm, I, I don't know if it was CD lamb for sure. I obviously it was Justin Jefferson, but I believe CD lamb got over 850 receiving yards, but I will say his teammate is probably one I'm betting on as well. You talk about another good college and that's Terrace Marshall. Um, oh my God. I, I think he's going to be a beast dude. Uh, you, anyway, you want, you want to talk uh, when I talk about a school that produces stud wide receivers, uh, do you know the names Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry? Well, they came out the same year from LSU, and guess who's coming out the same year this year? Uh, Terrence, uh, Terrence Marshall and uh, Jamar Chase, who yeah. is utterly it's un- absurd. It's unbelievable how to, that's it's so wild how those colleges kind of do Nuts. that. You know, uh, it, it's very interesting. All right, Joe, uh, that does it for we made it through uh, today's yeah. show. Um, I'm sorry, I took a little bit more of your time than normal. Um, but I, I know you and I both love talking fantasy football. Our community loves fantasy football, so they they don't mind it. You want to let the people know, uh, you know, where they can find you, some things that are going on in the club FF uh, world, uh, club fantasy FF world, uh, because I know you guys have some big stuff, and I think we're gonna try to partner with you guys on some things. Uh, but yeah, you guys, you guys, yeah. A little whisper whisper in the bush. And, jo- jo- Josh, yeah. don't tell me anything. I show up to the shows and yeah. read whatever's on the show sheet, and I go from there. Um, no, I, I would I love that. I do the that. same that's, thing with Travis, so don't yeah. worry. Yeah, yeah that's it's fine. Okay. Um, so you can find me at Joe underscore Zolo uh, if you like sports business content. No, I don't really tweet that much, um, but you can find me there. I occasionally do some some fantasy football banter. Um, Club Fantasy FFL. You can find us there Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Club Fantasy FFL. The URL is clubfantasyffl.com. Uh, up and coming things. We have our Look Inside series the starting this week, the entire summer. Uh, I won't be there the next couple weeks. Hutchinson Brown is going to host for us, the young fantasy mind, um, up and comer, 14-year-old. He's awesome. He's awesome. Have, yeah, he's great. We have Howard yeah. Bender on, uh, and we go just how they finished last season. So first three teams, Jags, Jets, and Texans. Um, so you get to see uh, all that there. And we go all the way through the summer up until – August 4th, which will be our last show. And then that will lead into our women of fantasy football shows where, uh, we already have some high name guests, uh, that work at ESPN and Fox just to name drop the, uh, the places they work at. I won't say the names yeah, yet. They're, I don't... They're, they're pretty exciting. I, yeah. I, we got, uh, we, we, uh, got it out of your, your co-hosts, uh, yeah. the other night we were able to, you know, I won't tell you what we did to them in order to get that information, but yeah, it's, I'll tell Whisper Nation, it's pretty awesome. And I will definitely be tuning in because it's going to be great content. Yeah, we don't, we don't, I don't know if I have security clearance to say the name yet. So I'm going to, I'll leave <laughs> yeah. that down. But we also have some awesome, uh, we raised money for the Women's Sports Foundation. We raised 1500 last year, goals to hit 3000 this year. And we're doing raffles, uh, just some teasers. We have a signed uh, Christian McCaffrey and a signed Alvin Kamara jersey, just to name a couple of the things that, uh, that we're going to be. No big deal. Just yeah, a couple off. of yeah. signed jerseys, you know, like I yeah. always have on the wall. Like exactly. Joe's got back there, you know. Yes, sir. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's all we got. And last thing, just quickly, don't draft Sonny Michelle. He'll be cut. Damian Harris will be our RB2 this year. There you oh, go. Oh, yeah, we we didn't miss over the running back. Yeah, I, but, yeah but, hey, that's a that's yeah. that's great I, because I can snip that out, and that's a good little preview for, for the perfect. show. You, you want I, a 30-second synopsis on the Patriots' weapons? I can give you that. You want yeah. your teaser? Yeah. Here's your teaser. Boom, start now. Okay, so... Here's your teaser for the Patriots. Uh, Nelson Aguilar is terrible. Kendrick Bourne I like, but I don't think he's going to be useful in this offense. Uh, Nikhil Harry is a fat wide receiver. Uh, Jacoby Myers, 
I like him underneath. I don't know how he fits into the offense right now. He's the second best quarterback on the roster behind Mac Jones. Uh, Gunnar Olszewski, I I don't really know how he fits. I love the player. He's a great special teams guy, which is where Welker and Edelman started. So maybe he makes that slide in, but Jacoby Myers is standing in his way. Offensive line looks great this year. I think they'll probably be top seven in the league. Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry will play the dual tight end like we talked about. Rob Gronkowski being Hunter Henry. Aaron Hernandez being Jonu Smith on the field. Uh, Damian Harris I love as a running back. James White, I hope he gets more value this year because he really is one of the best receiving running backs in the NFL. Like I said, Sony Michelle will get cut because Ramondre Stevenson has been drafted, and they will keep Brandon Bolden as a special teamer and J.J. Taylor as the backup to James White. Boom. Just like that. The best in the business. <laughs> All right, Whisper Nation, that does it for today's show. Last thing I'll end on is if you want to be a part of the Whisper Nation community, you could do so. Just join our Discord chat. It's absolutely free. Link is in the description, and we will drop like fresh content on there, as well as that's how you we release the sleeper draft. mock. Ooh. We do mock draft on Monday. We release the sleeper link in there before we actually tweet it out to everybody else. So if you want to try to get a better spot in that, make sure you click that Discord link below and join us. All right. That does it for today's show. Once again, I want to thank Joe Zolo, Find him on Twitter at Joe underscore Zolo from Club Fantasy FFL. Appreciate you, man, so much for joining us. Whisper Nation, you guys have a great weekend. I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks. We're the Fantasy Whispers, and we're out. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers. 